Well, good morning and welcome to First Church. Again, my name is Pastor Andrew, and I am the lead pastor here at First Church. And we thank you. If you're new with us today, if you are visiting us, uh, we thank you for sharing in life uh, together with us. Uh, We believe God is doing incredible things at First Church. We're so glad that you're a part of it today. If you are just joining us, we are now in the fourth week of our sermon series called Strongholds. If you would, you know the drill. Say it with me strongholds. And what we're doing in this series is we are looking at what God tells us are four of the most dangerous sins in our lives. Uh, The sin of anger, the sin of greed, last week the sin of pride, and next week our favorite, right, the sin of lust. It's going to be a great message. Don't miss next week. And maybe you're saying, well, Andrew, I could think of things that are a whole lot worse than those four, right? Like, like murder, uh, abuse, uh, 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 being uh, kind to unkind to a child, unfaithful to a spouse. Those are a whole lot worse than those four. And you're probably right. But the truth of the matter is that God tells us these are some of the most dangerous because they're some of the most common, right? They're acceptable. In some cases, we might consider them to be normal, But here's what God says about strongholds in our lives. If you're taking notes, our key verse for the series, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not what? Say it out loud with me. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to do what? Demolish strongholds. We demolish strongholds. Stronghold. So the world says, hey, some sins are normal, some things are fine. Andrew, don't make a big deal out of it. Everybody does it. But God says, no, 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 no. He says, when it comes to sin, we wage war. We demolish strongholds because they have no place in the life of a servant of Jesus Christ. Our key thought for the series, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. Fulfillment in every area of your life depends on freedom in every area of your life. Fulfillment in every area of your life depends on freedom in every area of your life. And the Lord has worked in incredible ways these last couple of weeks because so many of us here have found freedom, freedom from the stronghold of anger. We've released our right. We said, God, just as you forgave us, so we forgive others. From pride, he must become greater, we must become less. And we believe the Holy Spirit's going to break some people free from the stronghold of greed this morning as well. Aren't you excited to talk about money? You're so excited? I'm so excited that my new boss is here to hear me talk about money, right? This is really, really good uh, time for him to be here. Some of you guys are really excited. In fact, when I first announced this series, I saw some of you, uh, when you saw the list, the order of strongholds, some of you reached over to your husband or your wife or your girlfriend or boyfriend or fiance, and you said, honey, we cannot miss that Sunday. I cannot wait to get convicted about my money. We've got to be there. And you actually rearranged vacations just so you could be here today, right? Some of you guys did that. Others of you are like my son, uh, Lucas, uh, my three-year-old son. Uh, I told him this week, I said, Lucas, guess what daddy's preaching about on Sunday? And he said, what, dad? And I said, I'm preaching about money. And his eyes got super big and he got so excited. He said, oh my goodness, dad's preaching about money. Wait. What's money? (laughs) 
That's some of you guys today. <laughs> Money? What's mine? Don't have any of that. Certainly can't convict me. I am good to go on this one. It's the stronghold of greed. How many of you, complete disclosure, uh, this is not being uh, recorded, or at least your faces aren't, maybe mine, but <laughs> you're not being recorded. How many of you this morning, you'd say, honesty, full disclosure, I am super rich. I have got so much money, I just do not know what to do with it. Anybody, thanks be to God. Uh, ushers, if you take notes of a special <laughs> session with that gentleman in the back afterwards, praise be to God, you got too much money. How many of you would say, you know, I'm not super rich, but I've got some resources. I, I wouldn't consider myself blessed because I know people that are a lot more blessed than me, but I've got a little bit of money. Anybody say, you know, that's, that's me. And my wife is lying. She raised her hand. But that's, uh, anybody say, yeah, I got a little, yeah, very good. Got a little bit, very good. How many of you would say, you know what, I've, I, I've got enough to get by? I've got enough to eat, I've got enough to keep a roof over my head, got enough to feed the kids, that sort of thing, get to work, but I, I, I don't, definitely don't feel blessed. How many of you would say, I don't feel like I've got a whole lot of extra money? The rest of you guys, Jesus will help you because um, uh, uh, you really don't have any money at all. Thanks be to God for not participating in that survey. So how do you know the, the problem, and so many of you uh, have this problem, is the same problem I have with questions like that, which is what's the line? How do I know? How can I define whether or not I'm rich? How can I find, define whether or not I am blessed? How can I define whether or not I've actually got more than others or not? A lot of us are like uh, John D. Rockefeller. He was the first American uh, billionaire, right? And somebody came up to him once and they said, John, how much is enough? How much more do you need? And he famously responded, just a little bit more just a little bit more. How much do we need? Well, just a little bit more. In fact, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. It's the definition, the simplest definition of greed I can give you. Uh, unlike anger and pride, there's no such thing as holy, ang oh, holy greed and sinful greed. Uh, it's just greed, all right? So nobody walk out of here and say, I've got a holy greed. There's no such thing as a holy greed, right? This is the definition. Greed does not want everything Greed just wants a little bit more. Greed doesn't want everything. Greed just wants a little bit more. How much is enough? How much do you need? How much would satisfy me? You know what? If I just had a little bit more. So how do we know if we've got the stronghold of greed in our lives? Well, if you're new with us, what we do is we first look at some signs for a, of a stronghold. And then we look at how we can break free from those strongholds. So this morning, we're going to look at a sign of a stronghold of greed. If you're taking notes, the first one is this. Greed says, I get what I want. I get what I want. How do you know if you are living uh, in a way that, that has a stronghold of greed? You know because you are getting what you want, whether or not you can afford it. One of the strongest indications that greed exists in our life is when we live beyond our means. When we live beyond our means, when we say, you know, I want it and I'm going to have it whether or not I can afford it. I get what I want and I get it right now. In other words, one indication of the stronghold of greed is the presence of significant debt in our lives. 
Now, uh, you guys showed up, and I warned you that this is going to be a hard one, right? But you showed up anyway. You're here. Thanks be to God. So they, maybe you're saying, well, uh, you know, Andrew, there's, 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 there's good debt and there's bad debt. And I would agree, right? Many of us have mortgages, which are normal in the uh, Olivet community. Many of us, praise be to God, have those student loans. Thanks be to Jesus, right? We got those. And those are what we might call investments in our future, right? Those are a little more understandable. But there are so many other things in our life that we accumulate because we get what we want. It's the car loan on the, the luxury sedan when the old junker would have got you from point A to point B, right? It's the second mortgage on the house that you had to do to do the floors and the curtains and the, the windows and the kids' room and the second kids' room and all those things, right? You, you got to have all those things, and, and, and it's the second mortgage. It's more debt. It's the credit card bills, for the new shoes, the nice restaurants, the upgrades to your latest technology, all of those things. And maybe you're saying, Andrew, that's completely normal. Everybody lives that way. Why did God invent credit cards? He invented credit cards for us to have debt, right? Maybe that's what we're saying. But what the Spirit tells us is that that's not the way it was intended. In fact, this last week, as many of you know, my, my grandpa passed away and we had his service on, on Monday. Uh, and it uh, broke the record as the world's longest funeral service. I mean, it literally did uh, two and a half hours long. Uh, if anybody's ever beaten that, um, uh, well, they're not here to share it. So uh, uh, <laughs> two and a half hours, six pastors. Uh, when you go out in our family, you go out big, right? That's what, we, that's what we do. And so we were reflecting on my grandpa's life, and my grandpa was a Great Depression baby, right? And so he grew up keeping everything. We would go on walks, and grandpa would find a penny, and guess what? That penny is sticking with him. He'd find a little washer, and he would come back, and he would put it in his toolbox. We're going through his house and his tools. He's got, like, pocketfuls and, and, and toolboxes full of washers, right, because he's going to keep everything that he got. And my grandpa in that generation lived by a really interesting rule. And, and I don't want to blow anybody's minds here, okay? So get ready. You're going you're gonna to want to write this one down. It's a really interesting rule. What that generation lived by is, is this rule. It goes like this. If you didn't have the money to buy it, you couldn't buy it. Does that blow anybody's minds? Let, let's try it again. Let's try it again. If you didn't have the money to buy it, you couldn't buy it, right? Because debt wasn't an option. Debt wasn't something that they allowed. But what we do in our society is we say, I want it, and I want it right now. I get what I want, and I get it right now. And here's what God says about that in Proverbs chapter uh, 22. He says this. He says, the rich rule over the poor, but the borrower is what? Say it with me. The borrower is slave to the lender. The rich rule over the poor, but the borrower is slave to to the lender. What's God say about debt? He says, you're a servant. You're a slave. You are in bondage. And let me tell you, fulfillment in every area of your life only comes when you have freedom in every area of your life. How do I know if I have a stronghold of greed? If I say, you know what, I can't afford it, but I'm going to get it because I deserve it right now, and I'm going to get what I want. Thanks be to God. How many toes have I stepped on? Thanks be to God. All right. Point number two, nobody has walked out yet. Thanks be to Jesus. So point number two is this. Greed says, I get what I want. And number two, greed says, I keep what I get. 
I keep what I get. Greed says, I get what I want, and then whatever I get, I am keeping it because it is mine. I earned it. I got it, and I'm not giving it to anybody else. This is what Jesus, uh, God says about that in Proverbs chapter 28. He says you keep what you get because you want to hold on to all these things because you really do want to get rich. You want to cross that threshold to get just a little bit more, but God says that strategy doesn't work too well. Look at Proverbs chapter 28. He says it like this. He says the stingy are eager to what? Say it with me. To get rich and are unaware that poverty awaits them. He says the stingy, people that are trying to keep what they get, trying to hold it for themselves because they think they're going to cross some line, they think they're going to get value for their lives, what actually ends up happening to them? (laughs) They become poor. You say, how does it work? I don't know. It's how God's economy works. The stingy are eager to get rich, but poverty awaits them. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with saving uh, money. Uh, uh, my wife has helped me to break free from that in the last nine years of my uh, life. Uh, so that's another sermon. And so, but as a kid, I really, really wanted to save money. And when I was young, like, like four, five, six years old, something about $5 made me feel like it was a lot of money. It was like Abraham Lincoln's face on a green piece of paper, right? I just felt like $5 was a bunch of money. And if I could just save $5, I would be rich, Right? So I kept saving, kept saving, kept saving. Well, I got a little bit older, got a few side jobs, worked for my dad in his office, and I realized $5 wasn't very much, but $100 would be a lot, right? If I could just keep everything I get, if I could just save up penny by penny, week by week, month by month, by month I might actually get $100, and that would be fantastic. Well, then I got my first job, uh, uh, third shift waiter at the International House of Pancakes, Praise be to Jesus. You guys see that? You see me doing that, right? And, uh, and so I, I was saving up money, got all these tips. I mean, some people even left me like $2, which was awesome. Uh, some people not so much. And I felt like if I could save $1,000, then I would be rich. I could just save up, pinch my pennies, $1,000. Well, then I actually went to college, and I thought that I was going to become a doctor. And so I got a job at a hospital, and I was in training, right? And I thought, well, not $1,000, but if I could save $10,000, if I could just keep it, like, like not eat for months on end, right? And not do, anything, not do anything but just save my money, I would get $10,000, and I would be rich, and I could probably retire, and that was my plan, right? I get 10000 in the bank, I'm signing off, and I am retiring. And then, right after college, God called me into the ministry. And now, as a pastor, well, um, $5, <laughs> sure, seems like a whole lot more money, right? Sure, seems great. I could just save up some money. If we could just save up $5, we would be in really good shape. That's what happens to us, right? It's because the line always moves. And we say, you know, I got this. God bless me with it, but I am going to keep it instead of giving it away because I might cross that line to actually get what I want. What's greed say? Get what I want, and I keep what I get. I'm not giving it away to anyone or anything else. And then this is the heart of the matter, the third one, if you're taking notes. Not only does greed say I get what I want and I keep what I get, but the heart of the matter is this. Greed says I am what I have. I am what I have. My life, my value, my worth is wrapped up in what I possess. If my house was just a little bit bigger, if my car was just a little bit nicer, if my wardrobe was just a little bit more extensive, 
If my position was just a little bit higher, then I would have value. Then I would have life. Then my life would be filled with meaning. Greed says I am what I have. But Jesus says, you know what? It's actually not true. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he says this specifically. In verse 15, he says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Because a man's life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. He says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed because your life is so much more than what you possess. Your life is so much more than what you have. Your life is so much more than what you can get. See, greed says, I get what I want and I keep what I get because I am what I have and my value is tied to my worth. But God says, no, that's not it at all. That's not it at all. Your value is tied to something else altogether. Maybe you're here this morning and you said, you know what? The spirit is, is, is pricking my heart. Uh, didn't think I had an issue with greed, but maybe, you know, one of these three have resonated with you this morning. And God said, you got to break free. you got to break free. How do we do it? There's two ways the scripture gives us. It's contentment and generosity. Contentment and generosity. How do we break free? By developing a spirit of contentment and by developing a spirit of generosity. First, if you're taking notes, write this down. God teaches us to say this. He says, I am blessed with what I have. I am blessed with what I have. In fact, if you would, repeat after me. I am blessed with what I have. Let's repeat after me. I am blessed with what I have. You guys are so good at this. Let's try it again. Repeat after me. I am blessed with what I have. We're going to keep working on that. That's going to be really good. We have another point, so we're going to keep trying and work on that repeat thing. So I am blessed, right, with what I have. Everything that I have is everything that I need. In Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says it like this. I love how he defines it. He says this, verse 11. He says, I've learned to be what? Say it with me. I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation because I can do what? Everything through him who gives me strength. Paul says, I can do everything. I've learned the secret of being content. It's the fact that I can do everything through the one who gives me strength. I love this verse. We actually have it hanging up in our house. Uh, maybe you're a lot like me, and sometimes we misuse that verse, right? We say, well, I can do everything who God who gives me strength. Like, I can go wrestle that bear because God's going to give me strength. Or I can go run a marathon without training, amen, because God's going to give me the strength. Or I can show up late, for uh, 30 minutes late to dinner uh, three nights in a row, and God's going to give me the strength. Doesn't work, all right? Doesn't work, right? Jesus still loves me, and so does my wife, but it doesn't work that way, right? That's not how it means. This is one of Lucas's favorite verses in all the world. In fact, Simone taught it to him early, and, uh, and sometimes he'll walk around the house, and he'll uh, be repeating this, and I think it's actually going to his head because we were driving last week down to see my grandpa uh, for the funeral service, and uh, we, it's about a four-hour drive down to Muncie, and we got about Oh, eight minutes in, and you know how this goes. Are we there yet? No, Lucas, three hours, 52 minutes. Uh, are we there yet? 
No, Lucas, three hours, 51 minutes, and 38 seconds, right? Are we there yet? Not. He just keeps asking, just keeps asking, right? Because he's restless. He's three years old. And so finally, Simone and I decided we're going to stop answering him because he's just going to keep asking. And so after about five minutes, there was complete silence in the car. It's just such a blessing as a young parent, right? It's just such a blessing to have complete silence. And we actually thought that he had fallen asleep which would have been a real blessing, like a three-hour nap would have been perfect right at that time if Jesus would have blessed us. So we just, you know how this goes if you're, if you're like young parents and you got babies and like you're like really like, like you're stock still, like you don't want to move a muscle, you don't want to say a word, right? You don't even want to breathe or like eat anything because, you know, it's going to wake him up. So we're just really quiet because we think that he is falling asleep. And so just complete silence. Then out of nowhere, Lucas from the back seat starts declaring this truth to himself. He says, we are almost there. I believe. <laughs> we are almost there. I believe, right? We are almost there. I believe. Well, Lucas, it doesn't work that way, right? You can believe it all you want, right? God could give you all the strength that you want, but it's still three hours and 51 minutes away. That's so often sometimes what we think about this verse. We say, well, it gives us license to do anything. I can do everything through God who gives me strength. But that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying, I've learned the secret. It's the secret to being content. It's the secret of realizing that everything that I have is everything that I need. I am so blessed. I am blessed. Repeat after me. I am blessed with what I have. I am blessed with what I have. It's the spirit of contentment. It's the spirit of joy. In plenty or in want, whether well-fed or hungry, I am blessed because God has given me everything that I need. Do you believe that this morning, First Church? We are blessed in incredible ways. Secondly, if you're taking notes, it's a spirit of contentment. It's a spirit of generosity. And the spirit of generosity says it like this. It says, I am blessed by what I give. I am blessed by what I give. If you would repeat after me, I am blessed by what I give. You're not quite as excited about that one. Let's try again. I am blessed by what I give, right? This is so important because what greed says is my value is determined by what I possess, what I have, what I can keep for myself. What does greed says? I get what I want, I keep what I get, and I am what I have. But what God says is that's not it at all. Your value is not determined by what you possess, your value is determined by your relationship with Jesus. It's not about what you get, it's about what you give. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, share it on social media, share it with a friend. This is the key right here. What I have does not define who I am. How I give reveals whose I am. Somebody's going to get blessed. That's really good preaching, guys. That's really good preaching. Somebody's going to get blessed. I'm going to say it again. What I have does not define who I am. How I give reveals whose I am. And it's so true because Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says, no one can serve who? Two masters. Because he'll either hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and he'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and 
money. You cannot serve both God and money. What God says is, is you're blessed by how you give. What you have does not determine your value. How you give determines whose you are. And Jesus is clear. He says you can't serve both. You can't have it both ways. It's either God or it's money. It's either God or it's possessions. It's either God or it's things. Because greed says this. He says, just give me a little bit more. Just give me a little bit more. Just give me a little bit more and I'll be happy. But God says you got everything that you need. You got everything that you need through your glorious riches that are available to you in Christ Jesus. I am blessed by what I give. I am blessed by what I give. And the question this morning is really simple. Who's your master? Who's your master? And I'm not talking about the good church answer. I'm not talking about what we say in Sunday school class, right? Jesus is always the answer, right? But by the way that you live your life, by the way that you spend your money, by the way that you save your money, by the way that you give your money, who is your master? Because greed says, just a little bit more, just give me a little bit more and I'll be enough. But what God says is you've got enough and you're not blessed. You're not defined by, 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 by what you have. You're defined by who you are, by what you're able to give. Paul says it like this in Philippians chapter 3. He says, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He says, I consider all of that rubbish. I consider all of it garbage compared to knowing Jesus. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. He says, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. What Paul says is, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. Everything that was to my gain, everything that I wanted, all of that is worthless compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Our status is not in what we have. Our status is not in what we do. Our status is not in a position. Our status is not in a job title. Our status is not in a salary. Our status is not in a bonus. Our status is as a child of the king. (laughs) Your definition as a person is son of God, daughter of God. That's who you are. You aren't your bank account. You aren't your possessions. You aren't your house. Because if you define yourself by those things, guess what? You'll never, ever get there because greed just wants a little bit more. But God has given you everything that you need in Jesus Christ. Church, how do we break free? We break free with contentment and we break free with generosity. Say it with me. I am blessed with what I have. And I am blessed by how I give. It's contentment, it's generosity, and it's the promise. Greed says, hey, give me a little bit more, and I'll I'll keep what I get because I am what I have. But God says, no, you've got everything that you need. Your glorious riches are available to you in Jesus Christ. Who's your master? Who are you serving today? For the glory, the praise of God, may it be Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, we come to you. We ask that your Holy Spirit would work in incredible ways in our hearts and our lives. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for speaking to us. Set us free today in the powerful, the precious name of Jesus. Heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around. This is a pretty sensitive topic. Uh, For so many of us, we find ourselves in a position in life where it seems like everything that we do is focused on getting, 
just a little bit more. In the way that we spend our time, the way that we invest our money, and the way that we think about our finances. I think if I could just get a little bit more. And there may be some of you here this morning, you say, you know what? When I walked into the sanctuary, I didn't think I had any issue at all with the stronghold of greed. But the truth is, the Spirit's pricked my heart today. The Spirit's been speaking to me, and I need to be set free. And maybe for you, if it was just you and Jesus sitting alone together in a room, and he asked you the question, who's your master? Who are you serving? And you know that Jesus knows every aspect of your life. He knows everything that you think about. He knows everything that you talk about. He knows the desires of your heart. Could you answer honestly that you serve Jesus Christ? The question this morning is, what do you want more? Do you want more of him? Or do you want more of the world? Do you want more possessions? Or do you want more of God? Do you want more positions? Or do you want more of Jesus? Do you want more money? More trust in that? Or do you want to put your faith solely in Jesus Christ? And I believe there are some of you here this morning that you'd say, you know what? Uh, maybe it's not uh, too full-blown. It's not a big deal. I just, I can, but I can see the seeds in my heart that my life has not been fully in line with the truth of the gospel. And this morning you'd say, if it's more of the world or more of Jesus, I want more of him. If that's your prayer this morning, would you slip up your hand? You say, Jesus, I want more of you. Thanks be to God. I want more of you. Praise God. Hands up everywhere. Who else? You say, I want more of you. Thanks be to God. I want more of Jesus. I don't want more of the world. I'll never get enough. I want more of him. Jesus, you've seen our hands. Most importantly, you've seen our hearts because you know how much we desire to have a relationship with you. God, clean us, fill us, break us, set us free today. In the powerful name of Jesus. We believe that fulfillment in every area of our lives depends on freedom in every area of our lives. And so today, for those who have said, it's me, I confess, I see the seeds, I see a little root, the stronghold of greed in my life, and I want it plucked out today. I pray, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would set them free, God. They want more of you. They don't want more of the world. They want more of you. Today, Lord, in the way they spend their time, and the way they think about their money, and the way they think about their job, help them, Lord, to realize it's more of you. It's less of them. It's more of you and less of the world. Thank you in Jesus' name. As we continue to, to pray, I, heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. This is, this is where the rubber really meets the road. I want to tell you about a God who gave because he loved us. See, the truth of the matter is that you and I are able to give, not because we have, not just because we're blessed, but we give because he gave. John chapter 3, verse 16, one of our favorite verses, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his only son. And there's so many of us that we're sitting here and we're, we're thinking to ourselves, you know what? If, if Jesus could give to the point where he gave his life for me, then I can give to the point where it changes my life for him. And there's some of you here this morning, you're saying, you know what, that's exactly what I need. I need that God who loved me so much that he gave me his son. <laughs> He's willing to sacrifice his son for me. You say, why would he do it? Because God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus came and he lived a, a sinless life, a perfect life. 
and he died a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And today what scripture tells us is that the one who knew no sin has become sin for us. And there's somebody here this morning, there's more than just one, that you needed to hear that word today because you're still walking around paying the price of your own sins. You're still walking around with the shame and with the guilt and with the fear and with the regrets of knowing that your life has fallen into sin. And what Jesus is saying to you this morning is, hey, (laughs) I already paid that price. I already paid that bill. I gave so that you could receive. I gave my life so that you could be forgiven. I gave my blood so you could be washed clean. And this morning, there's somebody here today who says, you know what? I need that kind of forgiveness. I need that kind of hope. I need that kind of life. I need a Savior. I am tired of striving. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of pursuing just a little bit more. It never gets me there. What I really need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's your prayer this morning, you'd say, I need hope. I need Savior. I need forgiveness. I need Jesus. If that's your prayer this morning, would you slip up your hand? Right where you are, thanks be to God. See that hand, sister. Thanks be to God. Those two together. Thanks be to God. Who else? Who else? Say, thanks be to God. I need Jesus. I need a Savior. Thanks be to God. Thank you, brother. Thanks be to God. Anyone else? Thank you, sister. Thanks be to God. Praise Jesus. Praise God. Anyone else this morning? Don't miss your moments. You don't need a little bit more of the world. What you need is forgiveness at the, at the cross of Jesus. Thanks be to God. Lord, We pray, Lord, that you bless us. Would everyone together pray with the people sitting next to you? There are people sitting in here all over the sanctuary who are entering into the kingdom right alongside of you. Would you pray out loud with them? Repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. In the name of Jesus, I am clean. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you, Jesus for rising for me because you died I'm forgiven because you rose I am free and from this day forward I'm never turning back I give my life to you because you gave your life for me in Jesus name we pray Amen. Amen. First Church, would you thank God for new life entering into the kingdom of God every single week. Every single week. As I can't tell you how meaningful it is, these moments at the end of our service, I can't tell you how powerful it is to hear the congregation together raise our voice and a prayer of forgiveness and entering into the kingdom. Sometimes people say, well, why do I have to pray this prayer every week? I'm saved. How many, how many more times do I need to get saved, right? We pray it because there's people every week that Jesus leads to this church that are coming into the kingdom of God. Every single week. And you don't know, it might be the person sitting right next to you. When they look at you, they have the confidence of knowing that if somebody like that could pray a prayer, I certainly can too. And because of your willingness, because of your humility, souls are being ushered into the kingdom. We celebrate with you today. You've made a commitment to Jesus So many of you raised your hand. You said, you know, I want freedom from the stronghold of greed. So many said, I want to enter into a freedom, a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to celebrate with you. Uh, What we started doing last week, if you were here, you'll remember, is we have uh, connection cards in your pew. What we want to do is encourage you to take the next step in your relationship with God. 
The decision that you made, the hand that you raised, is not the finish line. It's not the end of the journey. It doesn't get the job done. It's just the beginning. And we have a group of people that would love to walk alongside of you, love to journey with you in this next step of your, uh, step of your Christian journey. And just a minute, our brother Blake is going to come. He's going to lead us in a beautiful song, Lord, I Need You. As he, as he plays, I just encourage you to take a card, fill it out, put your name, a contact number, and just mark the decision that you made today. Just leave it in your pews, give it to me, another staff member, anybody with an orange lanyard, they'll get it confidentially to us. You say, Andrew, why do I have to do that? Because the minute you walk out the door, your spiritual enemy is on your tail. The minute you walk out the door, he says, you know what, I didn't mean anything. It's just a hand, it's just a prayer doesn't actually count for anything and the best way you can combat it is by sharing your decision with someone else let somebody else come up alongside of you and tell them what jesus has done for you so blake i invite you to come as blake comes take a card take a moment fill it out and let us journey with you into this new freedom in jesus christ